episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I've spent the last few days kind of waiting for another shoe to drop in the latest story involving uh, potential financial improprieties involving Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders, but also very much still focusing on the upcoming NFL draft. There's always a lot going on here in Commander's Land, and I appreciate everybody checking out the podcast. Uh, We've got a lot to get to here. Uh, If you missed it yesterday, I was on the Al Galdi podcast, our friend Al Galdi, uh, for a part one of a crossover episode. Al and I kind of went through kind of what's been going on with the Commanders. Uh, That was a part two. You can check it out on his side. Part two will be over here. Um... Trying to look at more solutions. It's a little bit of both. I mean, we just kind of, you know, we just kind of go down different routes. But we try to talk about a little bit, look at the roster a little bit further, try to figure out what are some options that they can do in the draft. But obviously, we just talk a lot about kind of the state of this team. And I mean that from the football perspective. Obviously, there is a lot to get into off the field. Um, I'm not going to really get into that here right now. We will, of course, talk about it. And I am monitoring it. And it is of utmost importance because, you know, the the allegations being levied against Dan Snyder and the organization by this former team employee, Jason Friedman, regarding um, money, p- potential money diverted from other owners, as well as the potential defrauding of season ticket holders from deposits made. Uh, th- this was revealed, um, sp- some more specifics came out in a letter from Congress to the Federal Trade Commission we're getting things are getting more serious, getting serious enough for what a lot of people here are wondering about the end of Dan Snyder's ownership. I think that is a long way, long way to go. That said, we're not going to really talk about that here, but that's only because I did talk about it a lot on the athletic this week today. In fact, our main podcast, the football show hosted by Robert Mays. Um, I was on there for about, I don't know, 30 minutes talking a lot about this topic, um, a little bit about football as well, of course, but uh, a lot on that. So you can check out that podcast if you want to hear some more in-depth breakdown on me uh, uh, on this specific topic. In addition to that, on Thursday morning, I'm hosting um, on the Team 980 from 9 to noon. We'll also be talking about it there along with the football team as well as you can check me out. So there's a lot of me going around. But here, the here me will be mostly about the football team and where things stand and some thoughts on the draft and this roster and where we go from here. So a lot to get to on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes or Spotify and, of course, on the Athletic app. Make sure you also subscribe to the Athletic uh, to read my written Work And if you have a second on iTunes, I guess on Spotify as well, to leave a, 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 a written review and a, and a five-star rating, it helps a lot. I definitely promise you that. So we're not going to do a long intro here. Um, it's Look, it's remained remarkably quiet here on the Washington front. They still have yet. They, they have not made any moves of note. They, uh, you know, Joey Sly was signed the other day right when we were signing off, or re-signed the other day. Uh, and... That's largely been it. I have been making calls around to people about what do we think of the draft and things like that. We'll get more to that 
as we get further uh, down the pike here. Um, But it is starting to get a little bit interesting. I I maintain the top 10 is wide open. Aiden Hutchinson, first of the Jaguars, still seems the most likely scenario there. And then after that, it's all over the place. And you can see that. Like, I'm not, you know, forget just what I say. That's reflected in a lot of different people's mock drafts you see like Malik Willis going to the Lions you see Sauce Gardner I think Mel Kuyper had Sauce Gardner going to to the Lions uh Trayvon Walker though the the defensive end from Georgia remains the most popular pick but other people will say well if you're gonna go defensive end it's Kayvon Thibodeau you know is it one quarterback two quarterbacks no quarterbacks in the top 10 I've had sources tell me that they think it'll definitely be one so that's a little bit of a shift from where I was, from where things were even just a couple weeks ago. I, I, it's all, it, it really is kind of all over the place, and that does make it interesting for figuring out who is going to be there at 11. We went through this exercise the other day with me trying to show um, on in written form, and I talked about it here as well. What's the likely pool that Washington is drafting from? Which of the players are the most likely? I can't, you know, it's hard to say definitively. I'm going to put all my chips down on this guy, but you kind of get a larger pool. And I think that larger pool that I had of about a dozen names still remains the same. But like I said, even within that, you know, Washington might have, might just, might see somebody else on the fringes and all of a sudden, or, or, or like a certain position group, like the receivers could get pushed up. And now all of a sudden, maybe a receiver who is outside of that 12 gets pushed up if there's a desperate need for that position, that type of thing. So a lot to get to, a uh, lot to consider. We'll do all that here on the Standing Room Only podcast. I do just want to say one thing. It always cracks me up. Obviously, we do talk a lot about the Dan Snyder situation online. Um I've mentioned that, you know, Ron Rivera has talked an awful lot about how he's hoping that between the name change and just every, you know, every every time there's something new, that this new thing will be an opportunity to reset, be have a, be a refresh and kind of start over in terms of how we all view this team and um, what we don't have to talk about the past, you know, with the Mark McGuire language and things like that. Inevitably, of course, that's just impossible, <laughs> you know? I mean, like literally like seconds after they made the name change in February, became we we learned about tiffany johnston and the allegations she was making of dan snyder groping her and things like that and it's just continued but anyway i see people out there who i get it they're angry fans they're frustrated fans i get you um thinking that we in the media enjoy this oh my god i i I can't begin to tell you how much we don't Uh, i'm feeling a bit run down the last couple days it's probably why i've only had this is only the second podcast up this week um i've just been kind of worn down physically I'm, i'm okay but just it's been not not feeling up to my usual uh, standards, and <laughs> I'm not. Look again, I have a fun job. I'm not complaining, but it's all it's all, it's a lot. We all see there's a lot going on here at all times, and you never know where it's coming from. Like I said, I'm waiting for the other shooter drop. We still haven't heard a response from Dan Snyder's camp I, at this point. I'm talking to you guys on um when. Uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and the we don't know. We don't know when something's going to happen. I have been told that they're letting their previous statement stand, that they, you know, not buying what Jason Friedman is selling, so to speak. We'll probably, at this point, I would guess, maybe not see anything until until Monday or Tuesday, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And you're just constantly waiting for something to, to, to happen. And, you know, it's just a lot to, to, 
to deal with in in that regard. Um, so I promise you, none of us want to deal with this. We all I'm here to talk about the draft. This is one of my favorite things is to talk about the draft, talk about the roster, talk about football. I see my other colleagues around the league; they're having a good time, mock drafts, pondering team needs, you know, dealing with the little things on the margins. You know, it's relatively quiet around the league overall. This is not what anybody wants to deal with. Nobody else is dealing with congressional investigations and wondering if the owners potentially going to have to sell and have, what's the NFL's position and all this. Will the other owners, you know, kick him out? All these things. I, trust me, nobody wants to deal with this. And if you legitimately think that is the case, if you legitimately think the media gets off on this, I, I think you really need to reassess how you view the world because you can't be. If you're viewing it like this, you're probably viewing it in other ways like this. No, trust me, we don't want this. This isn't fun for any of us. Uh, by the way, I work for a site where we get subscri- we, we need people to subscribe to the site, make an actual commitment to, to read what I have to say, or in some cases, listen to what I have to say. When things are negative, or in this case, just apathetic, where the fan base is, it makes less people want to join up. I totally get it. Again, why I don't want all this to happen just from a selfish business perspective. So emotionally, physically, uh, financially, no. Nobody wants this. Okay. But it is interesting. There's always something interesting here. I can't complain about not having things to discuss. Just would rather talk about the draft and those things. Okay. That's me at least. But I'm pretty sure I'm speaking for the masses. All right. That said, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with my friend Al Galdi. We're going to talk about uh, some options for Washington at 11, state of the roster, and just state of things overall. Uh and you can listen to part one of our conversation over on the Al Galdi podcast. We'll do that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. He is not a uh, social media influencer with like millions of followers, but he is the host of the Al Galdi podcast. He is Al Galdi. And we are doing part two of our crossover episode. I was on his podcast, part one, kind of talking about where things stand with the Washington Commanders from the roster perspective. Now we're going to solve all their problems or something. Uh, Mr. Galdi, thank you for uh, for returning. Well, I appreciate you having me. And every day I try to influence people socially as much as possible. So I may not be there yet, but maybe one day if I work hard. Yeah, well, strive, you know, <laughs> set, set a goal and, uh, you know, you never know what can happen. Maybe we'll maybe these podcasts will go crossover podcasts will go viral and then we'll have the millions of followers. Um, so yeah, appreciate the 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 time. Um, so like I said, part one, we kind of here's where things are, and here's you know what wh- what do we make of of certain circumstances. And now it's with the draft. Uh, you know, we're a little over roughly two weeks away. It's time to start trying to figure out how how to solve some issues. I want to go a little, I guess, off radar here because like yes we'll we'll talk about options at 11 and and what else might happen but part of any of these things is like okay what other guys on the team do they have that could potentially step up into roles and maybe we're all overlooking some people are already here when we say that hey they're missing some depth or they need a receiver or things like that so i'm going to give you some candidates you tell me who you're looking at as a guy that's actually a legitimate possible replacement or somebody that's like, come on, get out of here. Like West Schweitzer is sort of the obvious one. I think we've all penciled him in to some degree at right guard, but that said, he's right. He's had injuries in both his years here. So 
I don't know that that's a definitive as much of a lock as maybe we're sort of making out to be. At receiver, they re-signed Cam Sims for not a bad deal considering he, as much as I find him interesting, he didn't do that much from a production standpoint. You also have Jami Brown there. At linebacker, let's skip Cole Holcomb. What about a guy like Khalid Hudson, right? I mean, that here's a guy like, was a draft pick a couple of years ago. We're kind of waiting for him to fill in. He seems to, from a skill set perspective, be a really good player for this modern era. Is it possible he gets in there? And then you look at, say, safety, where we talk about the lack of depth or maybe they wanted to use three safeties. Derek Forrest was a draft pick last year. Everybody always wants to get on the Jeremy Reeves bandwagon. Any of the which of these angles for you is like, this is a guy that I think actually can stop and who is like, come on, let's not pretend this is a thing. So I actually think Wes Weiser, when he has played, has done a pretty good job. And one of the reasons I was never on board with paying Brandon Sheriff what he wanted was that when he didn't play, it didn't feel like to me the team was just demolished at that right guard spot. Now, I know that the team's record in games in which Sheriff did not play was not good, but I think that's more of just the team having not been good as opposed to like, you know, the Brandon Sheriff factor. And when he doesn't play, the team has no chance of winning or anything like that. What a wacky stat. Was like 0-14 last three years or something? What a weird stat. It is crazy. It is crazy. And, you know, Sheriff is a very good right guard. I'm not trying to say that he isn't. And he is better than Wes Schweitzer. I'm not trying to say that he isn't. But I thought Schweitzer was solid in the games in which we've seen. So I actually think that if he is the starting right guard, he could end up doing a pretty good job. We certainly have seen enough of him over these last two years to have reasonable confidence in him at that right guard spot. At receiver, I don't know how likely this is of what we saw from him last season, but the real hope here is that a guy like Deami Brown has that step forward season. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny to me, all this talk about, hey, the commanders need to take a receiver at 11. It's like, well, wasn't the whole point of taking Deami Brown last year for him to be a guy who could be a real weapon for you offensively and for him to be a deep threat and, you know, the speed that he brings to the table. So I don't think we should give up on him after one season. It was a disappointing rookie season. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the uh, the flash Deami Brown moments from last season are few and far between. You know, I'm not big on judging any player after just one season in the NFL. That said, I do kind of feel like when it comes to receiver, you, you can either do it or you can't, you know. And if you show extremely little in year one, the idea that in year two it's going to be like a stark difference, I don't know how likely that is. But I'm definitely rooting for him, definitely open to the possibility. and. You know, I just I I think that for all the hype of Brown last year to now for him to almost be like a forgotten guy this offseason, I think it's kind of funny. So I I have uh, I have real hope that Brown could be an impact player to at least some degree uh, for the team this coming season. As far as like someone who um not really counting on all that much, I, I guess I would say like a Derek Forrest and a Jeremy Reeves, just from a standpoint of the team seems to only view Jeremy Reeves to a certain point, you know, like. If there was going to be a year in which we saw more of him, it would have been last season when the secondary was really struggling. And yet Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio still did not go to Jeremy Reeves until deep into the season. And then with Derek Forrest, I mean, everything you hear is that, okay, special teams guy, but not necessarily an NFL safety. Now that could change and maybe it will change, but uh, I still would have some questions about that depth and safety. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I don't even really consider the safeties as a thing but somebody brought it up to me on twitter the other day so i figured i would let your voice help dismiss that notion as well rather than just me 
uh, yelling at people. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think I can agree with all that, by the way, like on the Deami Brown thing, like the norm historically has been, it takes receivers a couple of years to adjust to the league. Yes. In recent times, I guess maybe with the new rule changes and some differences in offenses, guys have been able to come in and have a big impact. We saw Jamar Chase last year, Terry McLaurin, uh, came in as a third round pick and really impressed pretty immediately. Um, but yeah, that's not typically the norm. And that's why to that point on, on the, on the Deami Brown and I'll throw in Cam Sims is like, this is why I'm not completely convinced that they feel the need to draft receiver at 11 on the flip side, the defense, even though I could, we could probably point to the defense and say they have more sure things in terms of the starting defensive line and like the starting four, in the secondary plus Holcomb, right? Just wherever you want to use him. That's nine guys that we can probably say, okay, that's pretty decent. Good, really good to decent. At least they got to fill in like, is Jamie Davis, the other linebacker. And what are they then doing with that Buffalo nickel slash third linebacker? But at the same point, like, uh, they, they, I feel like they, I feel like they could easily go that way. And I feel like people are focusing so much on the offense for justifiable reasons. Um, but this is interesting, right? So you, we've seen, we talked about this a little bit, I think, uh, on our podcast, the other or the other one. They've been bringing in some of these uh, day two running backs, your Kenneth Walkers from Michigan's, your Brees Halls from Iowa State's, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. And it's sort of weird on the surface. I want to get to that in a second. What do you think is more interesting for you, for Al Galdi, uh, college scouting director? At 11, they go the best defensive back on the board whether that's Kyle Hamilton slips or Derek Stingley from LSU. And then day two, their offensive playmaker is one of these running backs or the receiver at 11. So you're, let's just say you're Drake London or, or Chris Olave, something like that. And then round two, it's the linebacker defensive back. Pay, take your pick. I gave Jalen Petrie to Washington in my latest mock draft, but what, what for you is more interesting? Cause like on the one hand, you're getting the better defensive player. But but I'm specifically saying running back, and we can get, I'll get into why I think running back is they're going to add one here at some point. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if if you're saying first of all, I think it depends on which out of all those players you like the best, right? So if you like, let's say Drake London is available to you at eleven, and you feel that he's a better receiver than say Derek Stingley is a corner, and each guy is available to you, then you take the better player. I'm a big believer and best player available. But in terms of those two scenarios, I would say option A. Um, I'm intrigued by the idea of the commanders getting themselves a stud corner at 11 and going into next season with, say, a Stingley or a Sauce Gardner if he falls to 11, which I don't think will happen, but who the heck knows. You know, that guy and Kendall Fuller and William Jackson the third. I think that has the potential to be a really good threesome of corners. Uh, threesome of corners, especially if Jackson is where he needs to be. I mean, you know, I think we all know the deal with William Jackson, the third by now. He was asked to do things last season that he wasn't used to doing. His play as the season went on was better. I don't think that the Jackson who we saw over the first eight games of last season is who William Jackson is. So if you buy into that and you buy into Kendall Fuller, who ended up having a really nice season last year once he was playing more on the outside, and you get yourself a Stingley or a Sauce Gardner if he falls to you, or a Kyle Hamilton, you know. And again, I think at this point, you almost view corners and safeties 
just as defensive backs, you know, because you see corners play safety and you'll see safeties play, say, nickel corner. So it's, it's all kind of a mishmash. You know, the lines have really been blurred between safeties and corners in recent years. I think the idea of having three stud corners, three guys who you really trust in pass defense would be outstanding. And then, you know, when it comes to adding an offensive weapon, we know that you can find those beyond first rounds of drafts. And, you know, like we were just talking about at receiver, and there are ifs here, but if Curtis Samuel stays healthy, if Deami Brown has that step forward season, you're not barren at receiver. Like you have guys at receiver who can produce for you. I mean, it's very easy to forget how excited we all were about the signing of Samuel last offseason. And so if this groin injury from hell is finally recovered, you have a pretty good top two receiver situation in McLaurin and Samuel. So, of course, you could always be better and you shouldn't pass on some uh, dynamic receiver if he's available to you. But I, I like you, I don't view receiver as the screaming need that I think maybe some other people do. And, you know, I point this out all the time. Some people think I do it too much. Apologies if you're one of those people listening. But, like, when you're about to pay Terry McLaurin all the money they're about to pay him, whatever that amount's going to be, and you gave Curtis Samuel a pretty good deal, you're going to plunk down another first-round pick at receiver. That is a lot of investment in one position that's not either line. It's not the quarterback. It's not cornerback. Those are the positions that you build your team around. Yes, I get receiver is more important in this modern NFL, but, again, you can find receivers later in the draft every year. This happens all the time, not to mention – like we just said, you have these other guys on, on the roster. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm more concerned on some level about what happens at tight end if Logan Thomas isn't quite right. And to go back to the running back point, um, you know, you, you and I talked about this last year. You know, some of the uh, uh, analytics don't exactly love what Antonio Gibson did last year. Well, and uh, the, the, the fantasy football numbers were not bad. I was on um, Sirius XM's fantasy football show this morning or whatever. And I think they mentioned that Gibson was number 10 overall among running backs last year. The, the stats were fine, but he leaves a lot on the field. He still is struggling a little bit to find some holes. Um, you know, then there's the injuries, then there are the fumbles. And you go back to last year, they were at their best when it was when he was leading the way from a ball control perspective. I'm not saying there's any giving up on him. I'm saying, how do you, but he gets hurt. That's been happening two years in a row. The fumbles existed, and he's leaving some things on the field. I just think having a more secure running back as another compliment to him, not saying replacement, I'm saying to give him more opportunity. And by the way, if you have another running back, you have two guys in McKissick and Gibson who can be pass catchers. You, like It's not like they don't have, if you factor them as receivers, they have a lot of guys who can make plays. Don't you want the ball in those guys' hands? Just get it more in space maybe than up the middle. So that's why I actually think running back makes sense. Now, I'm not saying it needs to be round two, I, I, but I think at some point, and the fact that they're bringing in guys who are projected in round two, at least has to push forward the idea that they might do that. Yeah, and you know, running back is a position to me at which you never spend big money and you just keep bringing guys in. You know, I think how well a running back does so often is a function of your offensive line. And if there's one thing to really feel good about with the commanders, it's the offensive line. Uh, the line has been a stunning positive each of the last two seasons. The line, you could argue, was elite this past season. So, you know, I, I think it's, an, it's the idea here is just get guys who are capable carrying the football and ideally also get backs who can catch the football. I think that's one thing with Antonio Gibson 
that I know I'm trying to still figure out for all of this talk about, you know, he was a combo back receiver at Memphis and, you know, he's going to be the new Christian McCaffrey. He has not been the pass catching weapon that we thought that he would be and that we hoped that he would be. And I'm not sure why. I mean, I guess a lot of that has to do with J.D. McKissick having excelled as a pass catcher. But, you know, aside from the play that Gibson made in the Buffalo game last year, it's hard to recall like many big impact impact receptions that Gibson has had over his first two seasons. Now, I think there definitely are things to like about Gibson. He has been banged up a lot, but he does play. Like if you look at his number of missed games, there really aren't many. And he has had stretches in which he's been a real effective carrier of the football. But we all saw what happened last season. I mean, the fumbling problem was a major issue. And, you know, as much as we hear about him having been a thousand yard back, and there's something to be said for that, like you said, and as I've talked about on my podcast, the efficiency numbers aren't great. Whether you're looking at something as simple as yards per carry, or you go by the DVOA, like he is not a guy who on a per carry basis has been one of the more efficient backs here. So, um, you know, I think it's not unreasonable to say we'd like to get a little more out of our RB1, whoever that might be. So to add another back to the mix and to have three guys who you feel good about, I don't think there would be anything wrong with that. Um, you know, I know they still have Jarrett Patterson. He didn't play a ton last year. I don't know, though, that when he did play, if he showed enough for you to feel like, all right, you know, we don't have to touch running back. But again, I think with running back, if you can add someone who you think can help you, great. You know, I, I, I don't think running back, you should ever be too wedded to any one player. It's kind of like, you know, uh, sometimes this guy, sometimes that guy. You just want weapons. And the beauty of what you have in McKissick and also in theory Gibson is that they are more than just backs. You know, like you can play McKissick and Gibson or McKissick and the drafted running back this year or Gibson and the drafted running back this year on the field at the same time. You can line up mckissick or gibson in the slot or on the outside you can get creative with those guys so don't we feel like do you feel like i do that like we've been cheated a little bit like because the hype of like that when they brought in gibson it was this notion of well we can line up at run we can he's a guy that we can play at running back and mckissick could put them at running back but if we see the defense has a four three base we can shift them out the receiver and then the opposite right if you said they got you know nickel dime packages we can move him back to running back. I, and then you have the two guys. I Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm being mean here. But it feels like I've been wanting more of that. And, and it just hasn't quite happened. But, and, and maybe that's a function of 20 other things. They have, they've had these quarterback issues where they, you know, they have to do just some basic stuff. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Is, have they been doing it enough? Or am I just being mean here? Uh, I don't think there's been as much of it as we thought. I mean, again, I go back to last offseason, all this talk about Antonio Gibson being Washington's version of Christian McCaffrey. And it's kind of laughable now. He, he hasn't been close to McCaffrey as a pass-catching threat. And that's not necessarily his fault. Uh, it's just the way things have kind of played out in terms of how he has been used. Um, you know, I remember in Gibson's rookie year, one of the more stunning things was how infrequently Gibson got touches on third downs. Like you would think a guy who, again, was a combo back receiver in Memphis would be on the field and would be touching footballs on third downs for you. He like barely touched the football on third downs in his rookie season. And again, a lot of that is McKissick. You know, a lot of all of this is the struggles at the quarterback position. But, you know, I I think with Antonio Gibson, we're going into year three, right? So if he's ever going to be McCaffrey, if he's ever going to be this all-purpose weapon that we thought he would be, I think this is a season in which we see it. The fact that he had 1,000 rushing yards last season is nice and laudable, but 
you know, that, that, that's a, that's a very old school thing to be caught up in. And it's the kind of thing where it's like, that doesn't mean that he's arrived as like a great back. It means that he got enough carries and he did enough to get a thousand rushing yards. Okay, great. But if you're ranking like the most dynamic and imposing running backs in the NFL, he's not there yet in terms of what I think he could be. He's talented enough to where to me, there's another, another level that he can get to. And if you want to play the long game here, which I'm not saying they are, but if you want to play the long game, you know, when you when you give Terry McLaurin an extension and you're going to start paying these defensive linemen more, and let's just say Carson Wentz stays beyond this year, you're going to have to make choices at some point. And you mentioned how running backs are a bit disposable. After this season, Gibson will be in the McLaurin spot where he'll be eligible for an extension. Are, are, are you going to give that? I mean, again, we'll see. We have a ways to go. But are you giving that guy an extension when you've already given all this other money? Or do you start at a position where guys can kind of you, you bring different guys in, get that guy ready right now? I just I just think it's conceivable. And like I just don't think you have to live in a world where the offensive playmaker is definitely a receiver, even though it is a more natural fit on um, on paper. Um, by the way, I want to go back to something earlier. You mentioned the possibility like getting Washington, getting a cornerback at 11. And you think you mentioned sauce gardener could he be there or whatever did you see kuiper's new mock draft no where does he have sauce going two to the lions wow so i i i've mentioned this before i may have said this when we were talking this top 10 to me is all over the place i have no idea what to make of it once you get past one this would be another wrinkle i don't know if i believe that they just drafted a jeff okuda three two years ago so uh, that would be a lot but on the other hand you're in a division, I guess, with Kirk Cousins, Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> Kirk Cousins, and Justin Fields is up and coming guy. And just playing this league in general, having corners is important, but that would seem to be extreme. In any event, that would be interesting. Um, to that point, to go circle back to the defensive backs, I don't know how much you've been focusing to this point on like where guys are going to be falling, and if you've had a lot of mock draft people on or so on. I'm sure you've done some of this. You know, I think the guy that is becoming more and more interesting to me is Kyle Hamilton. Um, not in terms of the player, but he's the rare guy that when I watch college football casually just stood out. I, I, you're a baseball guy. He he makes the plays to me like that famous Derek Jeter play when he cuts the ball off coming from right field when he's just no, like halfway up the first baseline. You're like, why on earth is he even there? It was like such an instinctive play to figure this out. That Kyle Hamilton to me makes those kinds of plays. Uh, that doesn't mean he's the best player. It just means I like guys with instincts. He's really good. He's got good size. He can kind of play a bunch of different positions. You know, you can bring him in and move Cam Curl back to the Buffalo nickel. That's everything. And I, even just talking to people, I, you know, nobody needs to aggregate this if anybody even aggregates me for anything, but like, or at least correctly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, Kyle Hamilton to 11, I think, is more plausible than I would have thought a few weeks ago when people were putting him possibly going two or three. So I think that's an interesting one for me, and it ties into what you were sort of just saying before. Yeah, he's not a cornerback, but having three safeties really is, uh, you know, worked well for them last year when Landon Collins was was was, was better. Um, that is something I think to to keep uh, an eye on. So if, if I tell you that Kyle Hamilton slips to 11 or – pick whichever you know one of those receivers is there or even Derek Stingley is there does that like change your like would you are you down with a Kyle Hamilton uh pick for this team considering all their needs yeah 
Uh, very much so. Um, to me, in today's NFL, you want to be spending resources on guys who improve your passing game or take away from your opponent's passing game. Like you, you can't be spending big money or spending high draft choices on guys who are only primarily going to do things for you in the running game or defending the running game. You know, looking back on the Landon Collins signing, that's really where I think the skins went wrong. They spent massive money on a guy who isn't good in pass coverage and whose best strength was playing in the box and playing against the run. And even that became a problem for Landon because he had major tackling problems now two seasons ago. So if you're going to take a safety, it's got to be a safety who can excel in pass coverage. And Kyle Hamilton certainly seems to be a guy who can do that. So, no, I would not have any problem uh, with him being the guy there at 11. And, you know, again, going back to like what we talked about with the secondary, you look at next season, right? If it's Fuller and Jackson and Cam Curl and Kyle Hamilton, and then, you know, when you expand to five safeties, you've got Bobby McCain out there. I don't think that's bad. Like, I think that's a pretty good nickel look that uh, that you can throw at teams. So uh, I would not have a problem with that. I, I, I was kind of like you. I wasn't uh, really certain that Hamilton might be available at 11. But if he is, um, 100% would not have an issue at all uh, with the commanders taking him. And that's who, not to spoil Mel Kuyper's mock draft, but that's who he had going to uh, the commanders. And I, that's not why I'm suggesting he could be there. But like, in just, like I said, in talking to people, some people think it's impossible. He's definitely going top 10. And maybe that's true. It's just sort of more conversation about the possibility and more of these Kuyper mock drafts. He's obviously talked to people. So I just think that's something to, uh, to, uh, to keep an eye on here's here's a different question so a the the quarterback thing okay i had this i'll actually I'll, i'm gonna you're getting a witness here al i told you I, I, we're just gonna wing this I, I this is how my brain works i just randomly throw crap out here that i wasn't thinking about to ask i was bringing this i was talking up with somebody in the local media about the quarterback situation and um the idea of like them not taking one or whatever and you know because they they get carson wentz and ron rivera has kind of said we're not going to bother and they were like yeah i don't know maybe we'll see I, I if they take a quarterback at 11 i don't care who it is pick whichever one you want i will declare it a big mistake now i may be wrong in the sense that that player becomes good and carson wentz stinks but you've already made your choice if carson wentz is here for one year you screwed up big time you took on the money and you gave up two two day picks, day two picks to do that. That's a big mistake. You've got to sort of see this thing through. Forget the fact that in Philadelphia, he he apparently had a freak out when they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. And you don't necessarily want to do that, but putting put that aside, I just I don't even buy it that they would consider it from that respect. But even if they do, I'm just gonna go on the record and say I think that's a huge mistake. You've got to go see this thing through. And at a best case scenario, Carson Wentz is under contract for two years beyond this year at money that by next year, just based on current numbers, I think Derek Carr signed an extension today, so maybe it's even pushes him down further. I think he's outside the top 10 from an annual salary. That's not going to be bad money for a quarterback. Uh, and if you draft this kid, he doesn't play for another two years if Carson Wentz works out. So I, I just want to say that we don't have to get into a big discussion. I just don't think – I'm just ruining – I'm just throwing that out. I'm not buying that they will do it, and if they did, I just think it's a mistake. Well, I think it goes like this. If you love a guy as a quarterback, you should take the guy. 
if you don't love the guy, then you shouldn't force the selection of the guy. I've always kind of felt one of the reasons the commanders made this trade for Carson Wentz is because they probably don't love any of these quarterbacks to where they feel like if we get that guy, we have our guy. But I would say this, if for some reason the mind has been changed and all of a sudden now Ron Rivera, let's say, is infatuated with Malik Willis and somehow Malik Willis becomes available to the commanders at 11 or Malik Willis falls to, I don't know, a spot that is reasonable to trade up to, then you should get him and you should worry about the Carson Wentz thing later because five years from now, if you have your franchise quarterback and it's Malik Willis and he's outstanding, Nobody's going to care that you, in the offseason of 2022, gave up multiple draft picks and took on Carson Wentz, and you had a mess of a situation for a season. You can figure that out. Now, it would not be clean. It's obviously not ideal. It's certainly not efficient. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like you got to get your guy. And if getting your guy ends up taking you down a path in which you first trade for Carson Wentz and then not long after that, take a Malik Willis in the first round of a draft. As long as you get your guy, that's what matters. You know, it's funny, this Wentz thing, because I always go back to this when I think about how a franchise quarterback needy team should attack trying to get a franchise quarterback. If you remember the Eagles back when they were getting Wentz, they traded up to take Wentz. They spent money on Sam Bradford. They actually spent money on Chase Daniel. The Eagles adopted this philosophy of, we're going to try a bunch of stuff and just kind of see what sticks here and we'll figure the rest out later. And, you know, depending on how you want to judge how Wentz worked out for the Eagles, I think you could argue that that approach actually worked out. And I've always kind of admired that approach from a standpoint of the Eagles didn't care about hurting feelings or overspending on the position. They understood that the position is too important to get caught up in those things. So, you know, I would just say if for whatever reason Ron really likes Willis or whoever, then take him. And if you don't like him, don't take him. But I've always kind of felt like, all right, the reason that Ron was so adamant on trying to get a veteran quarterback is he doesn't love the quarterbacks in these in this draft. And so he's probably not seeing any one guy is worthy of being taken uh, with that 11 pick. Look, it is far be it for me to tell the host of the Al Galdi podcast that he's wrong. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I totally get it in a, in a vacuum. My thing would be, you know, if you had gotten Carson Wentz on the relative cheap, that would be one thing. If you had signed Mitch Trubisky, totally agree. But you made an investment in this guy. I think you need to see it through because also, like, what is the, you know, what what, what do they say? The closest, uh, the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Fixing Carson Wentz is your easiest solution to fixing this problem. I mean, I get that Malik Wills or any rookie would buy you more time if you're Ron Rivera. But at the same point, if you bomb with Wentz, I don't know how much time you're going to have. Right. If it works out so badly that you literally are going to give up on the guy, I don't know why even forget the fact that Dan Snyder is a questionable owner in a hundred ways. Why I don't know that any owner should be like, hey, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Like, this doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. And by the way, like, what are the odds that this rookie will even done anything this year? Because if assuming Wentz doesn't get hurt to even know whether he's the answer. So I, I just think like, I, I don't disagree with the, I, like, I, I don't disagree with the idea of going multiple quarterbacks in general, but the invest if whether they panicked or not, they made this investment in this guy. I think you got to see it through. And I don't think you cloud it with this other thing. And by the way, you want that 11 pick to help him, whether that's helping the defense or helping the offense, help him getting a quarterback who won't play. I just, that doesn't seem to me to, to, to jive with the idea of making the bigger investment in, in Carson Wentz. 
Well, the investment is a sunk cost at this point. I mean, you've made the investment. So if you made the investment because you love Wentz and you really, truly believe he's your guy, uh, then great. But if you made the investment because he was the best of a bad bunch of options and you do have concerns, and by the way, I think you should have concerns because I don't think Carson Wentz over the last few years has earned this great benefit of the doubt. I think there's upside with Wentz. I think there's reason to think that he might work out for the commanders, but it's far from a certainty. Uh, I just think that you have to be open to anything here. And I think you have to, you know, even look at it as, hey, what if we get Wentz and he's our guy for a season or two? Uh, would it be so terrible if we had someone waiting in the wings? And, you know, you mentioned Wentz having thrown a fit with the Jalen Hurts thing. I also want to say this. That, to me, is not a reason to not take a quarterback, you know, worrying about Carson's feelings, okay? Maybe Carson needs to grow up and stop being so sensitive about stuff. Maybe that's part of the problem here with him being on a third team in three seasons. So I certainly would hope that worrying about ruffling the feathers of Carson Wentz isn't why the commanders wouldn't take a quarterback. Again, I think it comes down to, do you like any of these quarterbacks? And it may well be that the commanders don't. And if they don't, that's fine. Uh, now, you better be right, okay? Because if Malik Willis ends up being a stud and you could have taken him and you didn't take him, then that's going to make you look really bad, you know, that you made this trade for Wentz instead of taking a guy who ends up being really good. But, you know, for now, you say, well, you trust those in charge and you just hope that uh, they end up being right on these things. All right, let's spin this away from that to some positive stuff. I had, or potentially positive stuff, I had Mike Clay from ESPN on the podcast recently, and we talked about how a lot of the numbers, so to speak, kind of point to Washington having a pretty positive year. It's obviously, as we've discussed, there's still rosters to fill out. The draft will happen, so things will change. But from a strength of schedule standpoint, Washington has the easiest strength of schedule in the whole league. Um, you know, they, they play the teams who currently hold the first three picks plus two games against the Giants who are the who have the fifth pick. So, um, you know, a lot going right on that front in, in a not so fancy division in a conference in which there's a good teams, but some of the better quarterbacks are, you know, playing elsewhere now. And it's not a particularly deep conference relative to the AFC. And, you know, on paper. Right. I mean, I mentioned before how on defense are kind of it's only like two starting positions we're kind of worried about. And on, on offense, you know, other than Logan, I guess, other than the outside receiver opposite McLaurin and just quite not knowing where Logan Thomas is at, like all they're all their starting lineup on offense is basically set as well. And there's on both sides of the ball, guys who have upside, like, you know, the younger, you know, the younger guys, Chase Young's and McLaurin and Gibson and so on. So there is reason, I think, to be optimistic on paper. Again, it's it's hard to always remember that because more we're dealing with congressional investigations at all at every turn. But um I you know, I I I hear some people out there like fans, and I don't know what, what your reaction is like people think, oh we're, you're always being negative and you know this, I, I actually am not. I don't necessarily buy in Ron Rivera's completely pie in the sky notion that they're pretty their their roster is fairly stacked and like they're ready to make this next step or whatever but at the same point i don't think it's a disaster i just think they got to fill in the gaps but what do you buy into the notion of because of strength of schedule because of the conference because of the younger guys on their team that this isn't really nearly the scenario that i think sometimes we want to maybe portray it as i i don't think it is i'm actually uh pretty 
optimistic about what could be happening this coming season. If you look at the playoff seasons for the team in the Dan Snyder era, so 99, 05, 07, 12, 15, and 20, every one of those seasons featured either a weak NFC East or a relatively weak schedule for the team. And this coming season checks one, certainly, if not both of those boxes. The schedule on paper is the weakest schedule in the NFL. Uh, Warren Sharp put out a great analysis of that. And the division still does not seem overly imposing. Now, maybe it ends up being a great division next season. But for now, we really do see mired in the stretch of the NFC East, just year in, year out, not being that good. So I think the setup here is for the commanders to have one of these seasons in which the team does at least good enough to make the postseason. You know, Um, I don't think that the roster is terrible. I've never felt that way. Uh, I, I think what happened last season is people treated the season as being worse than it actually was. And the season definitely felt really bad for a lot of reasons. But when you actually take a step back, and view the season from 30,000 feet, you know, toughest schedule in the NFL per DVOA, the COVID outbreak late in the season, a ridiculous amount of injuries on offense, the defense being a train wreck over the first eight games, but then actually being better in the second half of the season. I think you could look at last season and say to yourself, you know what, it maybe wasn't as bad as it felt, and maybe this team, in terms of the football, isn't as bad as so many people think. So, You know, I don't think it's a great team, but when I think about the roster, I do think it's like, say, a middle-of-the-pack roster, you know? So I think you can do worse than that, you know? Like, if you ranked the commander's roster right now, to me it's like somewhere between, you know, I don't know, 14 and 20 in the NFL. You know, don't hold me to those numbers, but like something like that. So it's certainly not great, and you certainly can do better, but you obviously can be worse, and... So, yeah, I don't think them going 9-8 and eight is some far-fetched thing or 10-7 and seven is some far-fetched thing, especially if Wentz plays like he is capable of playing. And, you know, the numbers on Wentz from last season are tricky, and there's obviously all this off-the-field stuff that we've all talked about, but he doesn't suck. You know, like, it, it, it may well be that the biggest issues with Wentz are things off the field. On the field, He's like a middle-of-the-pack, serviceable quarterback. And even just having a guy like that, you know, a league-average starting quarterback would be an upgrade over what this team has had in recent seasons. So uh, I do think that this coming season could actually end up being the step-forward season that Ron Rivera's talked about. Now, you know, the bigger picture thing of like, well, what does that mean? You know, are you Super Bowl caliber? No, uh, not yet anyway. But I don't think this team is the, uh, the mess on the field that uh, I feel like some people have depicted it as being. See, look at that. We 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 got some positive vibes in there. People are always <laughs> like, stop, you know, stop, stop being mean. I'm like, I, you know, I'm not the one uh, causing problems with uh, the Congress and others want to look at, or, you know, I'm not the one who's uh, saying whatever Ron Rivera says about different. Like, I try to keep it real and keeping it real. I think there's some positive vibes here. Um, all right, maybe we didn't get into the draft as much as I was anticipating. I did talk the other day with Eric at home from Yahoo Sports about a bunch of prospects, but uh, since we just, uh, this was sort of the plan, is there anything else from the draft from your world? I don't know if there's any anybody you're just like, dude, I really hope this team gets this guy, or boy, if they draft this position, that would be nuts, or anything else. Anything in particular from the from the draft that for you is uh, is notable? Well, I think the quarterback thing from this standpoint – you know, I, I don't think they're going to go quarterback in the first round, but 
what if they went quarterback like in the second round, you know, like because there's obviously a middle ground between taking a guy in the first round and taking, you know, someone in round six or round seven, like doing the Nate Sudfeld thing. So what if, say, a Desmond Ritter or a Matt Corral is available to the commanders with that sec in, in the in a on, on day two? Is, is that something that the team would do? And what might that mean? You know, it's interesting in recent NFL draft history, so few non-first-round quarterbacks have become much of anything. You know, for a while, we had that stretch 2012 through like 2016 of Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr and Dak Prescott, these non-first-round quarterbacks becoming legitimate NFL starting quarterbacks. We haven't had a guy like that for a while here. You look at since the 2017 draft, Every quarterback who's ended up becoming something has been a first round selection. And I know that there's now this belief of if you don't take a quarterback in the first round, you know, good luck finding your starter. But I wonder, this is such a weird quarterback draft class, if maybe there might be value in taking, you know, again, a Ritter or a Corral and maybe Ritter on last to the second round. We know that as you referred to him on Twitter recently, right, he's the buzziest of the quarterbacks. So who the heck knows? But I'm intrigued by that. If maybe on the Friday night of the draft, uh, day two of the draft, you might see the commanders make the move for a quarterback. I mean, that was, like going way back, that was sort of my thought all along, like, especially when they had the earlier um, second round pick. If the gap between whoever the best quarterback it projection is and the fifth guy isn't that big, take the fifth guy, right? I mean, you're not feeling like it's a big deal. And, and like, I kind of like Sam Howell. Um, you know, a little bit. I mean, I he he tailed off a bit last year for Carolina in part because a bunch of his weapons left guys like Deami De- Brown and Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So, you know, um, I don't think that's a terrible way to go. It still would leave me a little bit in the idea of what I talked about before, but you know, it's not, um, it's not, I'm not going to rail against this idea. I will not say that Al is wrong on that one. I do think they need three quarterbacks. Uh, if anything yeah. has been. Uh, embedded in our brains over the last few years, it's that this team especially needs three capable quarterbacks going into a season. The team has played at least three quarterbacks in every season uh, since the start of the 2018 season. So uh, there is work to be done here at the quarterback position. I mean, you you need a a third guy. And I don't mean like some Steven Montez type. I mean, someone who could play for you this coming season if guys get hurt or guys are ineffective. So, you know, going into next season with, say, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, and dot, 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 Sam Howell, or Matt Corral, or Desmond Ritter, or whoever, you know, uh, I think that's the way to look at it. I I think in today's NFL, you got to have three quarterbacks uh, on your team. Totally agree. You got to have Al Galdi's podcast in your podcast rotation as well. Um, Look, man, I appreciate it. You are a machine. I don't know. Look, this is you know, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier who doesn't eat tangentially works in sports, but not really. And, you know, he was asking me, you know, how's it going? I'm like, oh, you know, I cover this team. You know, how do you think it's going? He's like, well, <laughs> he's like, well, look, I mean, you know, everybody's got a job and nobody, uh, nobody's job is perfect at all times. And it's a totally reasonable point. So this is better than a lot of jobs I've ever had. So I'm not going to complain, but like, it is impressive that you, every day you get up, you give the people what they want, despite the fact that the news is often just blech. It is, it is, it is draining. Um, I know for me, and I'm not even doing podcasts every day, but it's draining uh, just in general. So I appreciate the fact that you are all in. 
Well, it's very nice, you. I appreciate you having me on and you coming on my podcast so many times. And I look forward to the day when it can truly just be about football with our team and not about all of this other stuff. But I don't think that that day is coming anytime soon. I, I can't even contemplate. We're going to have a pre-draft press conference with Ron Rivera and Marty Herney, and it's going to feel weird being like, yeah, so what do you think of this draft class? And yeah, yeah, you guys are going to take a quarter? Like, I, I, it, I, I know, it feels small relative to what else is happening out here. Well, and I know you've written about this, but, you know, the Ron thing of, hey, can't we move on? And the announcement of the new name is an opportunity to move on. And it's like the exact opposite of moving on has happened since the new name was announced, right? The day after February 2nd, the day after the announcement of the name was that congressional hybrid roundtable with the Tiffany Johnston allegations. And since that day, it's been like one thing after another and there is no moving on right now and i wish we could move on but we can't there's too much stuff that keeps coming up so maybe one day ron but uh unfortunately we're not there yet not there yet but hey if they on draft day draft kyle hamilton and a uh difference maker uh in on offense people will uh you know at least for a little bit of time be like hey here we go look out yeah and and you can you know you, you're allowed to have these two different things going on of like you can uh, get caught up in the scandal stuff and talk about all that, but you can still enjoy the football and get excited about the football. Like, I think that's perfectly acceptable. So yeah, I'm pumped for the draft. And I think this team could get a lot better with this draft. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Al appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon and uh, we'll see what happens with this off season. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Many thanks to Al Galdi for his time. Thanks to everybody for checking out both parts of this crossover episode. Uh, I will be back with more podcasts for sure. We've got plenty of drafts. I've got some really fun guests lined up to break down the draft. Uh, the, the people you want to hear from, I promise you that. So we'll get to all that here in the days to come, and we'll see. Maybe Washington will even sign a player or two we can talk about. <laughs> um, but that's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time, see ya.